Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 12th, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will react to all of Week 10 in the NFL, including the Patriots getting their asses handed to them by the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee on Sunday, and then... A couple NBA and NHL stories that I do need to get to. First off will be the Celtics losing four of five. That's right. They lose four of five games on their recent five-game road trip. But Kyrie Irving had some very questionable comments after Sunday night's loss in Portland. I will tell you what he said, and then I'll react to it. And then finally, I'll have some info for you on the Tuka Rask leave of absence as everybody who watches the Bruins is trying to pay attention to that storyline and when he returns, why he was gone. I have some info for you on Tuka Rask, so I'll get to that. All of it presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C, At DraftKings, you can draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments. And I am on to week 11 in the NFL. You should be too. So sign up right now for the $1.2 million play action contest for Sunday's week 11 slate. $1.2 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. Just pick your team and follow the action live on your DraftKings app. And again, play in this contest for free by signing up using promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Today's show is also presented by BetOnline. Sign up today at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1. For a 50% welcome bonus with college football, the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL all underway. This is the perfect time to make your online wages at betonline.ag and take full advantage of the best bonuses in the business. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, BetOnline. .ag. Welcome to the show on this Monday, November 12th. As we all give thanks to the veterans in our country, this is the land of the free because of those who have made the sacrifice to join the military and protect our country. So from all of us here at the Danny Picard Show and everybody at Beantown USA, where my studio is located at, we want to say thank you to all our veterans. So that said, let's get to it. Week 10 in the National Football League will end with Monday Night Football, one of the worst Monday Night Football games you will ever see in your life. The 2-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers as a 3. This is how bad this game is. A team that's 2-7 and seven is a 3.5-point favorite. So if I tell you that, you obviously know the other team that they're playing. The New York Giants. It's either, it's either the Giants or the Raiders, right? Those are the only two teams that the 49ers would maybe be a favorite against. Uh, maybe Arizona, too. Well, Oakland played. They lost. This is the Giants. It's the 49ers and the Giants on Monday Night Football. You don't need to watch it. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I'm not not sure what I'm going to watch on Monday Night. But it probably won't be the 49ers and the Giants. 
the 49ers are going to three and a half point favorite. The Giants have a one and seven record. This is basically a game to see, uh, you know, who has a better chance to get the number one overall pick in the draft. I think from San Francisco's perspective, they got the kid Mullins who stepped in last week and had a game for himself. I, I don't know that he's going to want to tank. Looks like he's playing well. So I would probably say the 49ers win this. But whoever loses this game will be in a battle with the Oakland Raiders for that number one pick because it doesn't look like the Raiders want to win. It looks like the Raiders, they're not coming out telling us they're tanking. They're like those words are not coming out of their mouths after, after losses. But if you watch Oakland play, then you know Oakland's tanking. So whoever loses this game is going to have to battle with Oakland for the number one pick in the draft. And by the time you listen to this, that game might be over with. So I don't want to spend any more time on that game. Let's go over what happened in Week 10 on Sunday. Looking at my picks for Week 10, picks, picks. I had another good week. I was almost perfect. Almost perfect again. Almost had my third perfect 5-0 week in the last, what, five weeks. Instead, I went 4-1, which gives me four points in the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. You can check out those standings at podcastonesportsnet.com. You can even chime in on a little trash talk with everybody in the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge by using hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. I'm 21-4 and four over the last five weeks. Now, I'm picking money line, which means I'm picking the straight-up winner. But I'm 21-4. and four. On the season now, because I went 4-1 and one in Week 10, I have a 35-15 and 15 record through 10 weeks. Again, picking the money line, but that's still a great record, right? 35-15 and 15 is my record. I could have had another perfect week if the Eagles could have taken care of business in their own building on Sunday Night Football. Instead, Philly... They lose to the Dallas Cowboys. And the interesting part about that loss is that now you had Washington win their game. And Washington was one of my other picks, the picks picks. Washington beats Tampa Bay. And Washington now 6-3 and three in first place in the NFC East. And you have both Dallas and Philly, two games behind them. Both of those teams now at 4-5. and five. So Philly could have kept pace with Washington instead now Dallas wins and Dallas is kind of feeling good about themselves now with a big win in Philly on Sunday night but I think that win uh, for Dallas on Sunday night just goes to show you that this this division the NFC East it isn't really that promising I did pick Washington before the season to win the division and uh you know I'm I'm sticking to it I think they're going to win the division Washington they, they don't look great every week but hey they're 6 and 3 Anyways, Washington, I got that game right. I got Green Bay right. I told you they beat Miami. They did. I got the Rams right. I told you they beat Seattle. And they did. Though the Rams lost the key piece in that game. I'll get to that. And then I had Kansas City as my lock of the week over Arizona. Who wouldn't have Kansas City to beat Arizona as their lock of the week? Well, Kansas City, they take care of business. So uh, I went 4-1. and one. My only loss was Philly losing to Dallas. But 4 and one still a good week, and uh, my record on the season, 35-15, and 15, is a great record to have. Now, my DraftKings gotta have him play was Aaron Rodgers. He only got you 18 DFS points, so that wasn't a great day for him, but I did get the Green Bay part of it right. Green Bay beat Miami. There was no way the Packers were going to lose that game. After losing two straight to two of the best teams in football and the Rams and the Patriots, Green Bay comes back to Lambeau. 
they weren't going to lose to Miami. And, uh, you know, they, Green Bay ends up helping the Patriots out because the Patriots, you know, they lose to Tennessee. Now, I don't know that the Patriots, when you look at the top storylines of Week 10, is, is are the Patriots the top story? I don't think they're the top story. I think the top story nationally, from a national perspective, is New Orleans. New Orleans keeps rolling. They beat the Bengals in Cincinnati 51-14. to 51-14. New Orleans goes into Cincinnati against a good Bengals team. The Bengals are good this year. With, the, with Cincinnati losing to New Orleans, Cincinnati is now 5-4. and four. But, I mean, you know, Cincinnati has had their moments this year where you're watching them going, oh, this is a good team. Like, this is a good Bengals team this year. But New Orleans goes into Cincy, puts up 51 points. It's New Orleans' eighth straight win. New Orleans is now 8-1 and one after losing week one to Tampa Bay. You, you look back at that, you go, how did they lose to Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay's terrible. How did they lose to Tampa Bay? Well, New Orleans' defense didn't help them out in that game. That was like a 48-40 to 40 game, wasn't it? And, you know, New Orleans has made a move. They made a move at the trade deadline. They acquired Eli Apple. Eli Apple with an interception in this win over the Bengals on Sunday. So to me, New Orleans is the top storyline in all of football. And if the playoffs began today, I know that it says New Orleans is the two seed in the NFC. If you look at it on paper, because the Rams beat Seattle and the Rams won their game, the Rams are 9-1. and one. They've yet to have their bye. The Saints are 8-1. and one. With their win over Cincinnati. So on paper, it says the Rams, because they have nine wins, and they're 9-1, and one, the Rams are the one seed, and the Saints are the two seed, with one less win at 8-1. and one. But that's really only because the Rams haven't had their bye yet. New Orleans owns that. If, if both the Rams and the Saints, if they both win out, the Saints get the one seed because they beat the Rams. Already. Like, they own that head-to-head tiebreaker. And um, so, really, New Orleans is the one seed. I think they're the top story in all of football. I really do. Because the road to the Super Bowl through the NFC, I, I think, could end up going through New Orleans. Now, the Rams, you, you might not even need that head-to-head tiebreaker because the Rams play Kansas City in Mexico City on Monday night coming up here in Week 11. And uh, that's going to be a tough game for the Rams. It's going to be a tough game for Kansas City, too. And in fact, when you look at that, the over-under for Rams, Kansas City, and Mexico City in Week 11 on Monday night, it opened the over-under of that game opened at 64, which is the highest over-under, I believe, I read it last night, since 1986, somewhere in the 80s. Will it stay there? I don't know. Maybe it'll go down a little bit. But 64, the over-under for Rams-Chiefs, Monday night football in Mexico City in Week 11. But, um... I think if you're the Saints, even if the Rams went out, if you're the Saints, if you went out, you, the Saints will get the one seed. So I'm technically looking at New Orleans going, they're the one seed right now in the NFC because they own that tiebreaker over the Rams. New Orleans is the top story. They didn't just win in Cincinnati. They put up 51 points in Cincinnati. And they're getting the defense to go along with it. So, um... Who knows, without that that hiccup in week one to stumble out of the gate and a loss to a brutal Buccaneers team, who knows what New Orleans could be doing. Maybe they'd have an undefeated season. Because Drew Brees right now is doing something special, and he has, he has weapons. Now, he doesn't have Des Bryant, 
because that's a storyline too. Des Bryant, uh, he signs with the Saints, right, for the rest of the season. And then he shows up and, and to practice on a Friday practice in the NFL. And he ta- what, what did he do? Tear his ACL? MCL? Whatever it was? Uh, Achille, whatever it was, he's out. Des Bryant got hurt. He's done. He's not going to play. So all you need to know is Des Bryant got injured and he's out. He signs, he practices, he gets injured, he's done. <laughs> but it, it didn't affect New Orleans because New Orleans sees that and still puts up 51 in Cincinnati in week 10. So New Orleans is the top story. The next biggest story in the NFL. No, it. I'm still not to the Patriots yet. I'll get there. But the next biggest story, I think, and it is related to this race for the one seed in the NFC. And it's not that the Rams beat Seattle. It's a good win for them. And you watch the Rams, you're like, wow, this is a, the Rams are a powerhouse. They are. They're a powerhouse. I mean, Goff is a beast, you know, MVP candidate. Gurley is an animal. And then you got that defensive front. You know, the Rams defense, they, uh, there have been moments in their secondary. They're banged up in their secondary. There have been moments in their secondary the last couple of weeks where I'm like, eh, you know what? You can throw on them if you can somehow protect up front. But their front, I mean, some of the bodies that are coming at quarterbacks, the, the Rams are just, they're a powerhouse team. They really are. But they, even though they beat Seattle, they had a big loss on offense. Cooper Cup, uh, wide receiver Cup. Tore his ACL, a non-contact injury. I was watching this game. He went out to go for a pass, took a couple steps, went to make a cut. Ah, hurts the knee, falls to the ground, grabs the knee. Rap sheet, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, says that they fear he tore his ACL, and um, that's not good because that means he's done. And that's a big loss for... The Rams, obviously they have weapons still with Gurley. You see how good Cooks has been. But, you know, to have that guy that can get open underneath, you know, can can give you those little short little slant routes, you know, those quick out routes. Cooper Cup was a dangerous weapon. And, and I don't know if he was Jared Goff's favorite target or not, but he certainly was one of them. You've been watching the Rams. And so that's a huge loss for the Rams. Huge loss. And it, it does sort of even the playing field a little bit if you do want to, on paper, talk about all the weapons the Rams have and then try to compare that to what the Saints have. You know, while the Saints uh, are in, were in a position during, during the week this past week to maybe try to add a player like a Des Bryant, now the Rams lose a player. So maybe it evens out a little bit on paper there. But, but still, hey, New Orleans already beat the Rams, as I told you, and as you know. But still, just from a Rams perspective, that's a big, this is a big loss for them. This is a big loss. And, uh, you know, how will it affect them and their offense going forward? How will it affect Goff going forward, maybe losing one of his favorite targets? We'll see how the kid can respond, right? See how he responds. But that, to me, is the next biggest story in the NFL through Week 10. And then you get to the Patriots, the third biggest story, I think, is the AFC playoff picture, which you have to talk about the Patriots, because if the playoffs began today, on this Monday, November 12th, the Patriots would not be getting the one seed. In fact, the Patriots would not be getting the two seed. The Patriots would not be getting a first-round bye if the playoffs began today. They'd be getting the three seed. 
and they'd be hosting the six-seed Cincinnati Bengals at Gillette Stadium in the wild card round of the playoffs. Now, if that happened, I would put all my money on the Patriots over Cincy at Gillette Stadium in that game, which means that as the three-seed, you'd automatically, in the divisional round, go to play the two-seed, which right now is Pittsburgh at 6-2-1. and one. So if the playoffs began today, the Patriots would beat the Bengals in the first round, and then they'd have to go to Pittsburgh in the divisional round, which would not be an easy game. You saw Pittsburgh on Thursday night whoop the Carolina Panthers. The Steelers, they get, I'll get to them because that's the top story too with the Le'Veon Bell stuff. I'll get to that. But, but looking at the Patriots right now, they lost to Tennessee on Sunday. Was, you know, Kansas City seeing that, loving that. Pittsburgh is seeing that, loving that. You even get a team like the Chargers seeing that. And Houston, seeing that, loving that, right? Now, the Chargers, I don't think, are going to overcome Kansas City for that top seed. But the Chargers, they keep winning. The Chargers keep winning. They've won six straight, and they're 7-2. and two. So, you know, we, we, I guess you can't rule it out that, that they could somehow get a top seed. But, uh, you know, maybe a team like Houston at 6-3. and three, Who's like, wow, look at this. Uh, the Patriots, 7-3. and three. You know, the Houston now is maybe seeing that three seed, potentially. <laughs> maybe seeing a first-round bye, potentially. So other teams in the conference love the fact that the Patriots lost this game to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Now, Patriots are 7-3. and three. They lose 34-10. This game was a good old-fashioned butt kicking and you know it wasn't just with the score it was like you know you run that play where Brady's going out for a pass and he catches it and then he stumbles and then the Titans respond and do the same thing and they do it better than you so they didn't just beat you they slapped you around and they embarrassed you Patriots got embarrassed by the Titans they got embarrassed by the Titans if you didn't tell me the players or the teams, but you told me the result and how the game went down, I would have told you, well, the Patriots must have been the team that scored 34 and and embarrassed the other team, right? That's like the Titans kind of played like the Patriots on Sunday. And I think for the most part, and I told you this going into the game, which is why I told you I was staying away from it. Patriots are what, a six and a half point favorite on the road in Tennessee. I told you to stay away. Because for the most part, the Titans, while they played like the Patriots in this game, I think they understood that, like, look, when Deion Lewis, after the game, former Patriot running back, current Titan running back, when Deion Lewis says after the game, yeah, this is personal, you know, Deion Lewis went off on a little rant where he was like, that's what happened. What did he say? He said, that's what happens when you get cheap, you get your ass kicked. Whatever. I mean, I'm not going to dig into those words, but here's what I know when I hear something like that. I know that when you you then hear other guys like Malcolm Butler or Logan Ryan or even Vrabel, and they're like, oh, no, this wasn't personal. I know that they're lying. Like, I know that they all feel like Deion Lewis. You know, not so much Vrabel, obviously. I think Vrabel has a lot of respect for the Patriots organization, but don't you tell me, you know, Vrabel, you know, he, he's a Belichick 
disciple here. Don't you tell me that Vrabel leading into this game didn't either he called those former Patriots into a room, just them, or he did it in front of the whole team and said, hey, they didn't want you. Remember this team? You know this team we're playing on Sunday? Remember how they didn't want you guys? They didn't want you. They didn't want you. That You're here. They did not want you. You mean to tell me Vrabel didn't do that? Oh, he did it. He got them fired up. And when Deion Lewis goes on a rant after this one and says, oh, that's what happens when you get cheap. You get your ass kicked. Yeah, it was personal. They all felt like it was personal. This game was personal for, for, for those Titans players, but also the rest of the team gets fired up for that too. They want to play for those guys. And it becomes, look, it becomes their Super Bowl. Teams get up for the Patriots anyways when there's extra motivation like that. And when you're a team that's not a bad team, I mean, I see a lot of people on social media during the game hating on Tennessee, being like, oh, this is a crap team. Now the Titans are 5-4. and four. They're still, they're only a game out of first place in their division behind the Houston Texans, the 6-3 and three Texans. Yeah, if the playoffs began today, Tennessee's on the outside looking in, but just barely. Um, they have the best defense in football. Statistically, they only allow, what, 16.8 points per game? So don't tell me Tennessee is a bad team. It's a good team that have some players that, you know, we're going to take this game, then we're going to take it personal. And I think it, it, it basically creates a dynamic in which you have a team that is going to get up for the Patriots anyways. You know, they're at home. They feel disrespected because they're a six-and-a-half-point underdog at home. This was Tennessee's Super Bowl. This is why I told them to stay away. And they played like it was his Super Bowl. They played like a Super Bowl team. They played like the Patriots. They beat the Patriots 34-10. Now, the Patriots were without Gronk once again. This, If this was a playoff game, Gronk would have played. But because they had the bye, they could, the Patriots have the bye in Week 11. They now enter the bye at 7-3. And, and uh, yeah, you'd like to get a win before the bye, but I think... For the most part, they just wanted to get Gronk another week off before the bye and and make this an extended period of rest for Gronk and say, hey, here we go. When we get back to work in week 12 at MetLife against the Jets, then against Minnesota, then against the Dolphins, then against Pittsburgh, then against Buffalo, then against the Jets again to close up the season. Gronk, we want you to be as healthy as possible. I think that's what this was. Gronk was on the sideline for this game in Tennessee in street clothes. You saw him cheering at times, though not too often because there was not much to cheer about on the Patriots' sideline during this 34-10 loss. But you didn't have Gronk. And when I do break down this game, you know, there are a couple things early on from an offensive standpoint. You know, I know a lot of people, we're going to praise Josh Gordon. Sometimes I think there's too much Josh Gordon praise. Like when people say, oh, he's... He's the organization's best deep threat since Randy Moss. Oh, you know, and maybe I've fallen into that a little bit too, but let's be honest. He's nowhere close to Randy Moss. And in, in fact, I don't know, maybe, maybe the team's greatest deep threat since Randy Moss was actually Brandon Cooks. You see what Cooks is now doing for the Rams, right? He would look good in a Patriots uniform right now. But, um, you know, Gordon, yeah, he's going to stretch the field a little bit. He was targeted 12 times in this game. There were some plays early on that he, there were some balls that he should have caught that would have moved the chains, 
They could have changed the game. I, I honestly thought there were two or three drops from Gordon that would have been first downs early in this game that he that went right through his hands that would have changed the game for the Patriots. You never know. You move the change, you get closer, maybe you put one in. You got a different ball game. Maybe you're not taking Brady out in the fourth quarter with what? What do they take Brady out with? Like eight minutes left? Maybe more than that? To put Hoyer in? You know, Gordon catches a couple of those balls. There's a couple other ones too. Hollister dropped one over the middle. Would have been a first down. You get some big time drops yesterday from the offense. And, uh, but, but back to Gordon. Josh Gordon was targeted 12 times. Julian Edelman was targeted 12 times. Here's what I question with the offense. Outside of those drops, and yeah, they could have changed the game. Where's Philip Dorsett? Philip Dorsett, t- tell me, explain to me. And this was a guy who early in the season, what were we talking about with Dorsett? We were talking about how Brady seemed comfortable going to him. How Brady was was building this trust with Dorsett to the point where it looked like he was really going to trust Dorsett to to make him a key part and an integral part of this offense. All of a sudden, you know, the last handful of weeks, I've had to Google Philip Dorsett Patriots just to, just to make sure he's still on the fucking team. Philip Dorsett, two targets. Tell me how it is okay to have Philip Dorsett get the same amount of targets as Jacob Hollister, which is two. Only two targets for Dorsett. And in a game like this, in which you're playing from behind, you got to try to keep up with Tennessee in their building. Uh, You want to pass. Why aren't you getting Dorsett involved? You know, why isn't Dorsett getting more targets? And, um, you know, it confuses me a little bit. Like, where is Dorsett? Right? So... That's a question I had. On the defensive end, the worst game of the year for Stephon Gilmore. It was. Now, Stephon Gilmore's had a tremendous season. He's been awesome, but he had a bad day yesterday. Gilmore couldn't cover anything yesterday. I will say this, and not to sit here and make excuses for Stephon Gilmore, and I know you say, well, I, I sound like I'm wearing uh, you know, a Patriots jersey today as I record this show by saying this, but I, I mean, I, I was thinking this at the time. Gilmore was struggling to cover anybody yesterday, his footing, I thought, like, I thought he was, there was one point he, he was late to a play on the sideline. Was it to Davis? And his ankle sort of rolled on him because the field surface was horrible. I thought the field, now, obviously, if it was hor- horrible for Gilmore, it's horrible for everybody. I understand that. But I think some guys were more affected by it than others. Gilmore was one of those guys I thought was, was affected by the field surface. Guys were slipping. They were falling. I think that had something to do with Tom Brady, you know, tripping over his own feet when he went out to catch that pass. Uh, I thought the field surface was just so bad in this one, and I think it it affected someone like Gilmore maybe more than anybody in this game. At least that's what I saw from my coach. Not to make excuses for the guy, but if you're asking me how does a guy who looks this good all season long how does he look that bad in this game? Then one thing I saw was, it's not everything, it was just one thing, but one thing I saw was I thought Gilmore was having a tough time with his footing on this field. I really, I, I, I think he was. Field surface was horrible in this one. But, hey, Tennessee Super Bowl, they had a lot of guys who took some things personal, and it showed. It showed. Patriots lose. They're 7-3. 
you know, you got people out there now. You look, and people are going to take their victory laps. Like, this is what happens. Patriots lose a big game, right? And there's an extra week where they're not playing. And you got Gronk in street clothes. You got extra, people have extra time now to take their victory laps. Like Rob Parker from Fox Sports 1. Somebody, can somebody explain this one to me? And I know I tweet about it a lot. I tweeted, I tweeted yesterday on Sunday. I, I tweeted at Fox Sports 1. I said, you know, where do I, who do I send my resume to? And who do I give my highlight reel to? Because you guys keep putting Rob Parker on TV. You keep, you know, you let him put that Fox Sports 1 name next to his name. You should be embarrassed by that. Rob Parker is the biggest clown in sports media, in anything. Print, radio, television, podcasting, YouTube, doesn't matter. Rob Parker is somebody that, and, and you know, I put it this way. I hope that the things that he says are strictly for ratings to the point where so many people, it's so stupid that so many people disagree with him that it's going to draw a reaction. Like, I hope that's what he's doing. Unfortunately, I actually don't think he is. I think he's just that stupid. He, this guy, Rob Park, is taking his victory lap because he said, oh, the, uh, Tom Brady's done. Look at Tom Brady. Uh, he hasn't really been throwing touchdown passes the last couple of weeks. Father Time is undefeated. I keep telling you. And, you know, someone like that who says that will use a Patriots loss like this one, one that looks like this, he'll use that to take his victory lap. You know, there are some guys that do it because they like to troll. They like to draw that reaction. I've knocked Max Kellerman. You know, when Max Kellerman does does the, the fight game, when he does the boxing, I like Max Kellerman. But when he does the first take show with Stephen A. Smith, and he says that, you know, Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff, you know, I, I don't, I don't like that Max Kellerman, but I, I will give Max Kellerman some credit here because I don't think he's that dumb. I do think he's saying that with the purpose because I think ESPN does this thing where they try to increase the ratings by giving you some drama and give you some controversy. I think he's willing to do it. Fine. I, I don't like that he does it, but it, I, I'm, I'm not sitting there telling you that Max Kellerman is stupid. I think he knows what he's doing. Rob Parker, I think this guy's just dumb. I do. And, and if I leave... This industry, if I leave this industry not getting my proper title shot, the title shot that I deserve, you know, one thing that will forever piss me off is that multiple national sports media outlets continued to give someone like Rob Parker a shot instead of even considering giving me an email to send my resume to, right? Uh... You know, that will forever piss me off. This guy, Rob Parker, is the worst. He is the worst. And I actually think that he believes what he says, which makes it even worse. Not just for him, but also for Fox Sports 1. You get a guy like that who's going to take his victory lap on all this because the Patriots lose. And, you know, it's also a guy like that who is going to have to try to draw up some excuse to why the Patriots will once again be in the AFC Championship in January. Like, what's he going to say then? Like, you know what I mean? Because if if you want me to sit here today and talk about a 7-3 and three Patriots team and say that they're done and say that Brady's done, you know, that's just lazy. 
That would be lazy. That wouldn't be looking into the human nature aspect of what Tennessee, the type of game that Tennessee just played. I told you with guys taking that, taking some stuff personal. You know, they're a dog at home. Uh, the history with the Patriots organization, some of these players, and the fact that everybody gets up for the Pats, right? It's this Super Bowl. This was Tennessee's Super Bowl. I, it's, it would be lazy for anybody to sit here today and say, ah, oh, the Patriots are done. Do they have problems? Yeah, they get some problems. <laughs> what, have the Patriots never had problems? They've had some problems. But I tell you what, it could be a lot worse. There's 7-3. and three, And another lazy thing, a lazy aspect of, of sitting there today, if you wanted to say the Patriots were done, you're not looking at the schedule. Patriots play in Pittsburgh in week 15. 425, Sunday, December 16th on CBS. You'll have your, your Christmas party, your holiday parties, and the Patriots will be in Pittsburgh. And they'll have a chance to beat Pittsburgh and get that head-to-head tiebreaker to get that first round by. And so, if I had to put money on something right now, I would tell you that, okay, here's what the Patriots, well, here's what the Patriots lost in Week 10, losing to Tennessee. They lost the chance to get the one seed. They did. I think they lost the chance to get the one seed. Um, you know, because... Kansas City, you know, right now, if Kansas, let's say Kansas City, let's just say Kansas City loses to the Rams on Monday night. They'll be 9-2, and two, right? They'll be 9-2. and two. Uh, And if Kansas City then wins out, they'll finish at 14-2. and two. Let's, say that's what, let's say that's what happens to Kansas City. They lose one more, they finish 14-2. Let's say the Patriots win out. Well, they'll finish 13-3. and three. And if that happens, Patriots will get a first-round bye, but they'll get the two-seed. If the Patriots lost anything in Week 10 by losing to the Titans, I think they lost their chance at the one-seed. Patriots had to win out and hope that Kansas City lost to the Rams because at that point, the Patriots owned, would, would have owned the head-to-head tiebreaker over Kansas City. And, you know, two 14-2 teams at the top, the Patriots would own the tiebreaker, and get the one seed. If the Patriots lost anything in Week 10 by losing to Tennessee, they lost their chance at a one seed. They lost their chance to host the AFC Championship. But they did not lose their chance to get a first-round bye, even though right now, if the playoffs began today, they don't have a first-round bye. Pittsburgh would. But Patriots play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right now is 6-2-1. The Patriots, if I had to put my money on anything today, i put my money on the Patriots getting the two seed and getting the first-round bye. I'd put my money on the Patriots getting a first-round bye with the two-seed. And at that point, that's a good thing because then you get to host the divisional game, right? You get the first-round bye, and then you're hosting maybe a Pittsburgh or a Houston or a Chargers team, right? Like, that's what you get. Instead of having to go to Pittsburgh after you have to play a wild-card game at home. So, um... The Patriots still have a chance to get the two-seed, and if I had to put my money on it, I'd say they will get the two-seed. But you can't deny what Pittsburgh looks like right now. Cannot deny what the Steelers look like because that's the top story. That, that's one of the top stories, too. Um, But the playoff picture today for the Patriots on paper, it doesn't look good because it, it, it right now on paper they don't have a first-round bye, but I do think they'll get one. I do. At least they're going to have a shot. And it's going to be in that Week 15 game in Pittsburgh. You know, that'll be a playoff game, basically. That'll be a playoff game. 
Who knows what Pittsburgh will do down the stretch? Because Pittsburgh, as much as they beat Carolina, as bad as they beat Carolina on Thursday night, you know, they have, Pittsburgh has shown signs this season that they're inconsistent, right? Like, they, Pittsburgh's going to give you a couple games here down the stretch where you're going to watch them. You're going to bet on Pittsburgh, and you're going to watch that game going, what are they doing? How do you how do you beat Carolina like that, like you did, and then look like this two weeks later? I'm telling you, Pittsburgh's going to give you that. Now, they're not going to have Le'Veon Bell. At least, as I'm recording this, the reports that are out there is that Le'Veon Bell is not going to report to the team. He tweeted, he's been tweeting some stuff out. Like last week he tweeted, what did he say? Farewell Miami or goodbye Miami or something. He was like down living in Miami and he basically was saying he was leaving and people were like, oh, where's he going? Oh, he must be going back to report to the Steelers. Uh, and I think he tweeted some things about the game during the game Thursday night, right? Telling the running back, James Conner, to like, to go get it or something? like, uh, Didn't he have a couple of those tweets? Either way, Le'Veon Bell has a 4 o'clock deadline tomorrow on Tuesday to report to the team. If he doesn't report by tomorrow on Tuesday, November 13th, at 4 o'clock, then he'll be ineligible to play for the rest of the season. Ineligible. So it sounds like, and these are coming from the reports, that he's not going to show up before tomorrow, Tuesday at 4 o'clock, which means he's going to be ineligible which means he's going to sail right off in a free agency. And he's going to do it knowing that he's completely healthy. The question then becomes, is a team, you know, are, are they, who's going to give him the big deal? I think he's going to get the money. He's young enough. Obviously, he's going to be healthy. That was a key part to this. You know, Le'Veon Bell, especially where he sees maybe the Des Bryant stuff, where it's like, you know, obviously Des Bryant's older. But, it's one of those things where, well, you're not playing in NFL games all year. You haven't played an NFL game in a long time. What if you show up and something like that happens to you in practice? Then you're not getting the money you wanted to get. So at this point, you know, you can knock Le'Veon Bell for maybe missing the beginning of the season. At this point, it's like, why even show up now if you're Le'Veon Bell? I don't think he's going to. Reports say he's not going to. So Pittsburgh, they're going to be playing the rest of the way without Le'Veon Bell. And their schedule, I mentioned the game against the Patriots. They then go to New Orleans on December 23rd. So you got two tough games there in weeks 15 and 16 for Pittsburgh that really all the Patriots are going to have to do is beat Pittsburgh in week 15 and they get that. I think they'll get the two seed. I think they'll get the two seed. Um... But Pittsburgh's not going to have Le'Veon Bell. It doesn't sound like it. And at this point, if I'm him, I'd be like, I see the Des Bryant injury. I'm like, eh, I want to go to free agency. I want to get paid. At this point, we sat out this long. Let's just, I'm out of Pittsburgh. I'm not going back. It's over. It, it's a wrap. I'm not playing this year. And he's, he's going to get paid. I think he's young enough. I think if, if he was like 30 years old, he wouldn't. Right? Le'Veon Bell is going to get paid. Someone's going to pay him. And we'll just have to wait and see who. But that's what we had in Week 10. Uh, what other stories here? I told you the Chargers, they've won six straight. Look out for them. They're 7-2. Washington won and Philly lost. So Washington now has a two-game lead in that division. And, uh, you know, I think Washington is going to win that division. Then you have the Colts. 
quietly have won three straight. They beat Jacksonville. And they're quietly in that AFC South race at four and five. So keep an eye on the Colts. And then I mentioned Oakland tanking. They're clearly tanking. I saw her fourth down play where Oakland went for it on fourth down. Derek Codd, he dropped back and he started to roll out of the pocket. And he felt some pressure. And he just purposely, intentionally threw it down at the feet. You know how you throw it at a guy's feet so it's not intentional grounding? But you, you basically don't get sacked. <laughs> he threw it down at a guy's feet. And then he like grabbed his head because he realized, well, it was fourth down. But there's no way anyone's that stupid to forget that it's fourth down. Like, a fourth down conversion is a fourth down conversion. Like, you, you, you're going for it. You know it's fourth down. Uh, the, the Oakland Raiders are basically, they're tanking on purpose. And if the season ended right now, if it ended right now, Oakland would have the number one overall pick, and I think that's what they want. I think, that, I think that's exactly what the Oakland Raiders want. So that's week 10 for you. Uh, the Patriots have the bye in week 11. I'll still give my picks on Thursday for week 11. As I told you, I'm on a roll, 35-15 and 15 on the season. So I'll give my picks on Thursday. And uh, the Patriots' next game, as I mentioned, week 12, Sunday, November 25th at MetLife against the Jets, 1 o'clock on CBS. So the Patriots will now rest up. Rob Gronkowski will rest up. Julian Edelman might have to rest up. He kind of left the field for a little bit late in that game with, what are they saying, an ankle injury? Again, with that field surface, I didn't feel comfortable about anything that was going on in that game in Tennessee with regards to injuries. And uh, so the Patriots will rest up and will get ready for their stretch run. And the one that's circled on the calendar. Yeah, they got that game at home against Minnesota on December 2nd, 425 on Fox. But they should be able to beat the Vikings at home. If that was in Minnesota, you know, I'd be a little bit more concerned about it. You got the game in Miami. That's not gonna. I, that's never going to be an easy game. I'm never going to feel good about that one. But it's the one in Pittsburgh that everybody's got circled in Week 15, Sunday, December 16th at 4:25 on CBS. So we got we got time to talk about that. So now we'll move on from the National Football League, and I, I did pay attention to some other stuff over the weekend in the NBA, in the NHL. I, I'll. I'll first get to the NBA stuff, and more specifically with the Celtics. The Boston Celtics right now, if you look at the standings in the NBA, the Celtics are only one game above 500. They have a 7-6 and six record. Seven wins, six losses. And they're the number six seed in the East. The Raptors are the one seed at 12-1. The Bucks are the two seed at 10-3. The 76ers, who just traded for Jimmy Butler, by the way, are the three seed at eight and six. Great trade for the 76ers. Jimmy Butler seems like kind of a prick, what he was doing in Minnesota, but there's no denying how good of a basketball player he is. So, uh, and he can shoot. Something that seems like nobody on the 76ers can do. They can't shoot. Like, if there's one thing, when I look at the 76ers, and I say, <laughs> they're not, Philly is not going to be a, a serious threat. Like, if there's one thing... To back that up, it's that they can't shoot. Well, now they had Jimmy Butler. He can shoot better than anyone on that team. Oh, maybe not J.J. Redick, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are 8-6. and six. And, you know, I, I just... When I match up the 76ers and the Celtics, I do... 
like we do tend to forget about Toronto. We forget about Toronto. But uh I I think that's a mistake. I don't I don't think we should forget about Toronto. I mean, there's a reason right now Toronto only has one loss. But the 76ers and the Celtics, doesn't it feel like they're on a collision course for the next handful of years? So that's why I think the the Jimmy Butler trade is even bigger with regards to the Celtics 76ers rivalry that is about to heat up because of that trade. If it wasn't already heated up. But Philly's the three seed. Indiana at eight and six. They're the fourth seed. Charlotte is the five seed at seven and six. I told you the Celtics are the six seed at seven and six. Detroit is the seven seed at six and six. And Brooklyn, the eight seed at six and seven. But let's just talk about the Celtics. They're seven and six. Their roster is obviously a whole lot better than what their record shows. Right? They are. Now, they've lost four of their last five. They're just coming off. They just wrapped up a five-game road trip on Sunday night, last night on Sunday night, in Portland, by losing to the Portland Trailblazers. Which means that on in this five-game road trip, on this five-game road trip, the Celtics lost four of five. They only won one game. And that only win in the five-game road trip came in a wild comeback on Friday night. Ended up being an overtime win for the Celtics in Phoenix against the Suns. Kyrie Irving took that game over. He took it over late. Offensively and defensively, big steal. Couple big defensive possessions. Kyrie was great late in that game. In the comeback, in overtime, that was an exciting game. An exciting win for the Celtics. But it was the only win in this five-game road trip. They're now 7-6. and six. But something, something to keep an eye on. Because... Everybody wants to know why. Well, why are they why are they struggling? Like, why are the Celtics struggling? And and I told you last week, I, I touched upon it briefly. I said, Well, look, they went to the East Finals last year without Kyrie and without Gordon Haywood. Right? You put both of those guys on this team, arguably the team's two best players. So they went to the East Finals last year without their two best players. Now, me personally, I think Tatum's the second best player on the team behind Kyrie. But you get what I'm saying with regards to Haywood and Kyrie. Coming back, you you put those two guys back into the mix and uh, maybe you look at it and go, well, they're trying to learn how to play with each other still, right? Gordon Haywood only played, he didn't even finish a full game last year. And, and then Kyrie got hurt late. It's like they were all trying to still play together. So I think you're going to have some growing pains with that. How long will those growing pains last for? I wouldn't think they'd last. They shouldn't last too long. You know, I think we're I think we're getting to the point where it's like, all right, boys, figure it out. Like we're almost to Thanksgiving. If you had told me coming into the season that by Thanksgiving they'd still be struggling with this group, I'd say no way. They're way they're too talented to continue to struggle and be a 500 team at Thanksgiving. But we're getting close to that, so it's like, all right, boys, figure it out. You hope that now they return home, you know, maybe maybe they're able to, to, to figure it out. But Kyrie Irving said something on Sunday night after they lost to Portland last night. He, that is, is kind of rubbing me the wrong way. Because when you think of Kyrie, you see that win over Phoenix on Friday night, you're like, oh, this guy's the leader of the team. Like Kyrie Irving is the leader of the Celtics. He is. He's the leader. It's his eighth year in the NBA. He's been to the finals multiple times. He's won an NBA championship. Kyrie Irving is the veteran leader of the Boston Celtics. I mean, do you not feel that way? That's how I feel. 
He's a superstar. I don't care if it was his fourth or fifth year, I'd be calling him a veteran leader because of his resume and what he's already played in, what he's played through, how good he is, how dominant he can be. So you look at the Celtics, you go, this is Kyrie's team. You know, I don't say this is Gordon Hayward's team. I don't say that this is Al Horford's team. I don't say that this is even as high as I am am on Jason Tatum. I think he's a stud. I think he's a superstar. I don't think this is Jason Tatum's team. I think it's Kyrie Irving's team. So to hear some of his comments that I'm about to give you after a loss to Portland in which they lose four of five in this five-game road trip, it is very concerning to me. Here's a quote from Kyrie. He says the team needs a veteran leader. Kyrie says, quote, I think it just comes with some experience. You know, looking at this locker room, just me being in my eighth year and being a quote-unquote veteran, as well as Al and Aaron Baines, right now, I think that it would be nice if we had someone that was a 15-year vet, 14-year vet, that could just kind of help us race along the regular season and help us understand that it's a long marathon rather than just a full-on sprint of when you want to play, when you want to do what you want to do. It's all about attitude and effort. That's all it is. End quote. That's Kyrie Irving. He says, and let me read to the middle of this again. He says, I think right now it would be nice if we had someone that was a 15-year vet, 14-year vet. End quote. That's Kyrie Irving. You lose four or five on the road. You lose to Portland. You're still trying to figure things out with the growing pains to everybody now back and playing together. You have one of the most talented rosters, top to bottom, in all the NBA. And the thing that you say during these struggles as the team leader is that you wish the team had a 15-year veteran instead of Al Horford being a 12-year veteran. Al Horford's in his 12th year. Uh, How about Marcus Morris in his 8th season, like Kyrie, who's in his 8th season? Gordon Haywood in his 9th season. You know, there's no exact definition on how many years you need to be in the league to be a quote-unquote veteran with experience. But before I heard this comment from Kyrie Irving, on Sunday night after he lost to Portland in Portland? If you had asked me, do the Celtics have veteran leaders? I'd say, oh yeah, they have a good amount of them. I'd say they have Kyrie, they have Al Horford, they have Gordon Hayward, they have Marcus Morris. I'd say, you know, this team, they have they have experience. You know, these are they have veteran leaders. Of course they do. Of course they do. <laughs> but yet Kyrie Irving says they don't. So, this doesn't make any sense to me. And at first, I thought maybe this was a shot at Al Horford. Maybe, you know, Al Horford, who's in his 12th year. Don't tell me he's not a veteran with experience. Like, what are you talking about? Like, at first, I'm I'm thinking, well, maybe Al Horford is the guy that has the most veteran experience that also is an all-star player or has been to an all-star game, you know, where he should be in the room maybe telling everybody, like, getting, get, you know, calling a team meeting, going, listen, boys, we have to figure this out. There's too much talent in this room. At first, I thought maybe he's calling out Al Horford to, to step up and 
But then I'm like, well, let's say he was doing that. That's a terrible look for Kyrie Irving because, again, I think we all feel like this is Kyrie's team. This is Kyrie's team. So I don't want to hear any comment or any words come out of Kyrie Irving's mouth that even imply that the team needs to add a veteran leader with experience. No, 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 no. I don't, I'm to the point where now, the, the more I've had to think about this comment this morning for a couple hours, I'm to the point where I'm like, I don't care who you're calling out. Maybe Al Horford isn't giving you verbally the type of veteran experience behind the scenes that you wish he would be. All right, if you see that, don't go to the media with it. Don't try to make excuses for it and say, well, we would like to, I, I wish Danny Ainge would go out and bring a 15-year vet in. Who the fuck are you bringing in? Who do you want to bring in? If anything, I'm looking at the Celtics team going, maybe they need to get rid of a guy, <laughs> right? You're looking at it going, well, maybe there were just guys doing too much. Maybe you have too many guys trying to do too much. No, I think you should be able to figure that out. But if you think there's some type of problem not having a veteran leader to maybe, you know, talk some guys into smartening up or figuring things out, if you think they're not handling their business properly, you need if if you think the right thing to do is go to the media and say, well, we need to go out and bring a guy in to fix this, then maybe it's the guy who's making that comment who who is, is ultimately the problem here. Like, and I'm not saying get rid of Kyrie because I told you, I think this is Kyrie's team. But if Kyrie Irving can't figure out that this is his team, then you got a problem that goes beyond anything that's going on the court. Like, when I read that, here's what I hope. I hope that somebody grabs Kyrie and says, wait a minute, big dog, what are you doing? Like, I hope that Danny Ainge is going to call Kyrie into his office. And Brad Stevens in there. And Like, this is how I would handle it. If I'm Danny Ainge and I see Kyrie Irving talking about how he wishes the team had a 15-year vet or a 14-year vet to help him, you know, to help get through to the young kids. If I'm Danny Ainge, I'm calling Brad Stevens into the office today. And I'm going to let the team shoot around, do what they got to do. I don't know if they, if they show up to the court, whatever, work out. And I'm calling Kyrie in after it's all done. Media leaves. If the media, I don't know if there's media availability today. I don't know. I call Kyrie into the office with Brad Stevens. And I say, Kyrie, I, I, I heard what you said after the loss to Portland. And I got a problem with it. And maybe Kyrie's like, well, what do you mean? Like, I, you know, I, I, I think we need someone like that. We need a 15-year vet. And that's where you put your foot down and you say, no, 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 no. Kyrie, this is your team. You are the vet. You've been to the finals multiple times. You've won an NBA championship. You were a beast in the NBA finals. Okay? This is your team. You've been, This is your eighth year in the league. Don't look at your age. What is it, 26? You're a veteran. Okay? When you've put as much time in the league as you have, when you've had as much success in this league as you have, when you've played on the biggest stage as much as you have, you're a veteran. This is your team. You cannot go to the media and start talking about how they need to bring in, we need to bring in a vet. No. And if you think maybe it's not yours, you got a guy like Al Horford who's in his 12th year. We got Gordon Hayward. We got enough veteran leaders here. 
But we consider you to be our leader. And our leader cannot be going to the media talking about how the team needs to add a leader. That's a bad look. For you, for me, for us as an organization. We're trying to figure things out. You know, we're trying to, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, these kids, work them in now to a team that they feel like was probably already theirs when they went to the East Finals without you last year. You know, this is a situation that needs to be managed properly. It, there's going to be some growing pains getting everybody back into the mix. You're going to have to, you're going to have some failure trying to figure this thing out. But the organization, Kyrie, is looking to you to be the, to step up and be the leader. Because if the kids like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they, they're hearing you say this, like what, what is everybody thinking now on the team? This is, you, you're the leader, Kyrie. You're, you're our leader. That's We need you to be that guy. You know, and if you feel like you can't be that guy, you better tell us right now because we would like to give you a huge contract this offseason. Right? So, that's what I'd say if I'm Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. Like, I, this doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know if he's trolling everybody. I have no idea. Kyrie's been known to be a troll in the past. I, I have no clue what that comment was about. I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. It's a bad look. Kyrie Irving is the Celtics veteran leader, whether he likes it or not. And he better step up and assume that role. Unfortunately, now it sounds like you're going to need somebody to tell him to do that, (laughs) which is very concerning to me. Very concerning. Now, there's something else that Kyrie said a little bit later on in this postgame in Portland on Sunday night. And... He implies that maybe not everybody is on the same page. And I'm going to read you this quote from Kyrie. It says, quote, It takes a collective effort. Until we all get on the same page like that, then we're going to have lulls like this. Now, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead because he says some things. That just I'm going to jump ahead to this quote. Quote, So it comes with discipline. It comes with understanding. It comes with experience of just being on a team like this. You can't have empty possessions. So whoever's shooting his shot, if they feel like it's a great shot, then, you know, we all have to feel comfortable with it. I'm going to read that last line for you again. So whoever's shooting his shot, if they feel like it's a great shot, then, you know, we all have to feel comfortable with it. End quote. I don't know. It kind of sounds like He's looking at guys taking certain shots and he's thinking, you shouldn't be taking that shot. I guess we all have to be comfortable with it. But I'm not. I think that's, I think you wanted to add, we, so we all have to feel comfortable with it. Even if we aren't comfortable. I think he wanted to add, even if we're not comfortable with it. Like, I think he's, I think he senses that, which is kind of contradicting his statement about they need to add a player. I mean, is he saying that they need to unload a young kid and bring in a vet who's not going to take stupid shots? Like, is that what he's saying? Kyrie's message here is confusing to me. Here's here's what I'd like Kyrie to do. I'd like him to just assume the role of being a leader. I'd like him, if there's something he needs to say to somebody, I think he should do it. I think he should do it. 
I mean, maybe he's not the guy. I don't I don't know. I know he's a dominant player when he wants to be. But but if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm I'm, I'm a little concerned today about about Kyrie after some of the things he said. And um I think an evaluation process needs to start taking place with the roster, too. It does. So, here's what I hope. I hope Kyrie... So I hope... You know, maybe this is an opportunity for Al Horford to pull Kyrie aside and say, Hey, listen, man. We Like, I, I saw what you said. But you need to be our... Like, you need to be our leader. And, and, and maybe Horford's it to blame, too. But I, my point is Kyrie can't be saying this. Kyrie needs... This is Kyrie's team. And if I, I think a lot of people in this town feel that way. And so when he throws out a quote that makes it sound like maybe it's not his team and he doesn't want it, like he wants somebody else to come in and be a veteran leader, like that's concerning to me. That's concerning to me. All that said, they have the talent to be able to turn this thing around. They do. They have the talent to turn it around. And we'll see if they do. But maybe you can, you know, on your calendar, take your calendar out. Thanksgiving, if they don't figure it out by Thanksgiving, then maybe you need to consider some type of move, some type of trade. I don't know what that could be right now. Um, you know, is it a situation where you do maybe have one too many guys who, who, who want to take the big shot? You know, and maybe you move a guy like that for a vet. Maybe that's what Kyrie's implying. I don't know. But I'll give him a, I'm still going to give him a couple weeks here because they return home. Let's see what they do when they return home. Because if they return home, they figure some things out, they look unstoppable, then what are we going to really be talking about? We'll be talking about just how deep they are and if they can beat Golden State in the finals. That's what we'll be at again. So we can change just like that. It's just those comments from Kyrie were concerning to me. They were. They were concerning to me. So keep an eye on that situation. I will too. Then to close it out here with some thoughts uh, in the NHL, again, locally here with the Bruins, there's a story that everyone here in Boston who's a hockey fan has their eye on, and it's on Tuka Rask, Bruins goaltender Tuka Rask. The Bruins, here's, here's what I know. The Bruins expect Tuka Rask to return to the team this week. That's what they think is going to happen. Now, by the time you listen to this show, he might have already returned. He might He might be, for all we know, he's at the facility somewhere inside the facility today. But I, I don't, I don't know that for sure. What I do know is that the Bruins do expect Tuka Rask to return to the team this week. I also expect Tuka to return to the team this week. Tuka Rask last week took a leave of absence. You know, there was a very vague press release that just said I think it was like a one-liner, one sentence maybe said Tuka Rask is leaving the team, taking a leave of absence. Led to a lot of questions. People wondering what's going on. Like, why would you just take a leave of absence? Why isn't the team given, you know, any update or any specifics? Like, what in the world is happening? And, you know, the world that we live in now with social media and just like, just rumors that people throw out there. And and people have some wacky rumors. They they have wacky things that they come to you with. Like, the the being in the business that I'm in, you know, where I used to be a reporter. Yeah, sometimes I'll report some things. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I've I've taken my career into the entertainment industry, <laughs> sports entertainment, is that what you want to call it? Um, where I dish out opinions. I'm a columnist. 
know, I have a podcast, you know, I've done radio and, and TV in my career, but you know, my, my product is more of an opinionated product. Sometimes it's an opinion. It's, it's an educated opinion, as I call it. Like I, I will get some info and I'll give you my thoughts on it. Um, and, and I tweeted out over the weekend about Tuca. I said, I would take it easy on Tuca. I would take it easy on him. Because you got people that see the leave of absence and they, they, they want to they wanna turn, turn it into a hockey discussion. And my point, I thought was clear when it was, when I just said simply, I would take it easy on Tuca. It's an educated opinion. It has nothing to do with hockey. If you want to turn that into hockey, you're a fucking knucklehead, okay? I tweeted at some dude, like, go out and get some fresh air. Because it's th- like, what's going on with Tuka Rask right now, what I know, it's not hockey-related. It's nowhere close to hockey-related. It has nothing to do with anybody else on the team or in the organization. It is a strictly a personal matter with Tuka Rask. And it has nothing to do with hockey. Nothing. So please, my, my point is like, don't turn it into hockey. So when, when you want to, if you want to go out and, and start crushing Tuka Rask, look, based on what I know, I'm just telling you, I would take it easy on Tuka Rask. Just take it easy. All right. Calm down. Took a leave of absence. I think everybody expects him to be, to be back at some point soon, probably this week. If not this week, definitely next week. Um, but, but when, when this stuff happens, you know, and, and me in the position I'm in, like I tweet something like that. I got people coming at me from all angles, whether it's friends or, um, just random people on social media, you know, texts, tweets, emails, like, Oh, what do you know? Like, well, here's what I heard. Like, and they want you to, they want you to like confirm it. Like, Hey, here's what I heard. (laughs) And then they think like, you know, they heard it from someone who told someone else, who was told by somebody else who might know somebody who's in either law enforcement or works at a at a hospital. It's like or works for the Bruins, and it's it's craziness. People get these crazy rumors that they come to you with. Where I'm looking at them laughing, going, first of all, I'm not, I wouldn't based on what I know, I wouldn't confirm anything to you anyways, even if you got it right. But I will say that there wasn't one person that came to me with any of the crazy rumors that they've been hearing about Tuka Rast. There wasn't one that came to me with the right one. There wasn't one that came to me with the correct, the, the, the correct uh, rumor, if, if you will. So people's imaginations run wild on this. And I do think when it's a player like a, a Tuka Rask who, who people like to hate on. They like to hate on him because of what goes on on the ice. On the ice, right? They, they, they like to hate on him. I think some of their rumors in their own minds become facts because they want them to be true. So it's a dangerous time right now for people who have opinions on a situation like this, which I've been told is a personal matter. Has nothing to do with hockey. Has nothing to do with anyone in the Bruins organization. Just Tuca and his personal life. I will tell you, what I know is that everybody in the room in the Bruins dressing room, supports Tuka Rask with what he's dealing with right now. I've been told, again, it's a personal matter. And, and I guess all I'll tell you is that sometimes shit happens and you have to step away from work for a couple days to handle it. Tuka Rask needed a few days to go do just that. 
uh, the team told him to go handle his business. They said, take a couple days, go handle it, give you the leave of absence. Uh, and he needed that to go do it. And now we'll see where Tuka is at when he returns mentally, but I'm told he will return soon if he hasn't already returned by the time you listen to this podcast. So the people who are spreading the crazy rumors, I yeah, I, I do think it's got to stop. Uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the world we live in right now, especially when you get a guy who faces a whole lot of criticism for his on-ice product anyways. I will just tell you to take it easy on Tuka Rask. It's a personal matter. The team told him to go handle his business. He needed to go handle his business, and uh, they expect him back, and he will be back. That's all I can tell you. Take it easy on him. That's it. All right? Uh, Sometimes I think we forget that pro athletes are human, that pro athletes sometimes have to deal with the same shit that the average Joe has to deal with in his personal life. And I get it. When you make millions of dollars to play a sport, the average Joe doesn't like when that guy takes time off. But I think that's an example of the average Joe not understanding that regardless of how much money you make, human nature kicks in during difficult times. And sometimes you need to step away. And the team let him step away. They understand it. They support him. And um, my advice to the average Joe, who's a fan of the team, my advice is to take it easy on Tuka Rask. And I'm not telling you to take it easy if he returns and he lets up a big goal. I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you with regards to the leave of absence, just take it easy on. All right? That's it. So we'll move on. We will move on. And I will move on. I'll be back Thursday. Uh, I'll be giving you actually an extra show this week because Wednesday night, and this is a tradition really unlike any other on this show, as we get set for one of the four major WWE pay-per-views, what are the four major pay-per-views? Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. I know the WWE has added all these crazy pay-per-views that seem like major pay-per-views. The ones in Saudi Arabia, uh, the one in Australia there, the Super Showdown. No, there's only four major pay-per-views. That's Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. As we do before all of the four major pay-per-views, I am joined by Sports Illustrated's pro wrestling insider, Justin Barrasso, who's always entertaining, who always has some great behind-the-scenes stuff in professional wrestling. He will join me in studio on Wednesday night. We will preview Survivor Series. These shows are actually some of my favorite shows to record all year long. So I'm excited to get Justin back in studio. We will preview Survivor Series. We'll talk about some other stuff in the world of professional wrestling that might be outside of WWE. So if you're a wrestling fan, make sure you go listen to that. But I'll also be back on Thursday to give you my picks for Week 11 in the NFL. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on Podcast One iTunes, Spotify, by now you know where to get it, anywhere podcasts are available, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard, I am out, talk to you soon.